On September 20th, 1913, America welcomed a new hero into its sporting pantheon, and for the first time the broad middle of the country embraced with curiosity and enthusiasm the exotic game he'd mastered. Playing alone on rain-soaked fairways at the country club in Brookline, Massachusetts, against the two greatest golfers in the world, Francis Wimette defeated Harry Varden and Ted Ray in an 18-hole playoff to win the United States Open Championship. The twenty-year-old former caddy personified a cherished American ideal, that anyone with perseverance, modesty, and backbone could rise above the limits imposed by humble beginnings to achieve greatness. Seldom discussed is how often a person's real problems begin with that success. Lesser men might have failed a hundred ways under the pressures of Wimette's sudden fame, but Francis stood up to that challenge and every other that life subsequently put in his path. You could find in him no trace of destructive pride, ego, false humility, or spite, and he stayed true to the best in himself until the day he died. He never turned professional, choosing instead to focus on a business career and raising a family. In spite of this, he remained a first-rate player for nearly twenty years, and would go on to win two national amateur championships. But in the long run, his sterling character contributed even more to the development of the game than his accomplishments as a player. Golf could not have built a better ambassador in God's own laboratory. Varden and Ray had toured America for months leading up to the 1913 Open, facing every one of the country's finest players without suffering a loss. Victory by one or the other of them had all but been conceded before the national championship. Instead, Wimette's shocking defeat of the two British immortals made banner headlines across America and around the world. Teenaged boys in particular embraced Francis as a role model, and for once even their parents approved. Caddy shacks and clubhouses swarmed with new recruits, professionals and amateurs alike, eager to follow Francis into the game. Many would go on to memorable careers, a select few earning the credentials to land them in a hall of fame that hadn't yet been dreamt of. Only one of them would exceed the impact of Francis's historic breakthrough, relegate the memory of an entire generation of greats to also-ran status, and give rise to a legend that casts shadows over the American sporting landscape to this day. While his improbable championship spread the gospel of the game and heralded a bright future for native-born players, Francis Wimette unknowingly served as a kind of secular stand-in for John the Baptist. The game's messiah was coming, and he was a lot closer at hand than anybody realized. He would emerge from the unlikeliest ground, and only after a cast of extraordinary characters necessary to shape his formative years had assembled around him. Call it destiny or coincidence, but by October of 1913, all the elements necessary for the creation of a sporting miracle had aligned, and they required just one last spark to ignite the subsequent chain of events. As fate or chance would have it, the same two players who had precipitated Francis Wimette's triumph were about to provide that charge. Harry Varden and Ted Ray sailed into New York and embarked on their brainstorming exhibition tour of America in early August 1913. Designed to climax at Brookline in September with a Varden or Ray victory at the Open, their grand scheme unraveled on that soggy Saturday when Wimette seized the cup for the United States. The architect of that scheme, their robber baron patron, megalomaniacal Fleet Street mogul Lord Northcliffe, sailed back to Britain bitter and empty-handed. The two defeated sportsmen, professionals to the end, 
declined Northcliffe's offer to join his early exit, and vowed to complete an additional month of appearances, originally conceived as an extended victory march after their anticipated open triumph. To their credit, they honored their commitments, and, to their surprise, Harry and Ted enjoyed their time after the open more than the hectic weeks leading up to it. Harry in particular relished the country's relaxed, class-free openness, and ever since his earlier exhibition tour in 1900 first introduced golf to much of the country, Americans had returned that affection with compound interest. Ted observed that the fierce, joyful excitement Wimet brought to their showdown restored Harry's passion for the game. After years of frustration as a celebrated hero denied entry into English society's upper ranks because of his low birth, Harry viewed the sport as a job, a grind, and by his own admission had for some time been going through the motions. It was Ted's opinion that as a result of the affectionate respect paid to him by Francis and his fellow Americans...